I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the London Review Bookshop for this evening's discussion between Julian Bell and Peter Campbell. It's a very special pleasure to introduce Julian and Peter this evening because they are both good friends of the paper in all sorts of ways. That is the London Review of Books. And both of them write for the magazine, which is not always the case with the eminent and distinguished people who come and do events here. Peter um, has a super special relationship with the London Review of Books. He has been closely and crucially involved with the magazine since it was founded in 1979. He designed the magazine, the typography, and its outward appearance. He has, for the 30 years since then, been responsible for the production values of the magazine. He has written unbelievably copiously for it. He has 288 pieces to his name for this magazine. Can you believe that? It's the largest number of pieces that anybody can claim to have written for the paper. He's written on every conceivable subject, it seems, from engineering to architecture to London escalators and to um, wildlife weeds, in fact, he wrote about not so long ago. But his main subject, of course, is art, the practice of art, and uh, art history. And, of course, he is the artist and designer of the covers of the magazine. For the last 18 years, every two weeks, he has produced a cover for the London Review of Books. He also actually designs other magazines and books, and heaven knows what else. But quite how he is as productive as he is is a slightly daunting mystery. Um, writing about Peter's covers, Perry Anderson says, and I quote, the watercolours that adorn the front of the LRB vivify the sense of the writing. The nonchalant wit and beauty of Peter Campbell's typewriters and wash basins, tousled bedspreads and tropical frondage offer a promise de bonheur of what lies within. Uh, in recent years, Peter's gallery reviews have been a particularly um, happy aspect of the magazine, and he's collected them together, along with other pieces, in a very handsomely produced book from Hyphen Press, um, with a slightly enigmatic title of At. 
dot, dot, dot. But it's, it's a really, really wonderful book, which you'll be able to buy afterwards if you haven't already bought it. Julian Bell's books include What is Painting, Representation and Modern Art, and more recently, Mirror of the World, A New History of Art, which Peter Campbell actually reviewed for the London Review, describing it in the most glowing terms and pointing out that it really will be seen as a successor to E.H. Gombrich's story of art. The, the mention of Gombrich reminds us that Julian P and Peter stand in the great tradition of writing about art that stretches back through figures like Lawrence Gowing, E.H. Gombrich, Richard Volheim, to Adrian Stokes, whom, who, about whom uh, Julian actually also wrote in the London Review, and eventually to Ruskin and Pater. Uh, I'm not going to go on too much longer, you'll be glad to hear. However, it is a tradition of, of painters who can write and writers who can paint. A tradition in which the problems of looking and seeing and paying attention to the world are understood to be seamlessly those of the painter looking at the world and the writer looking at what the painter saw. And at the heart of this problematic is the question of what is out there and what we think is out there. And I hope you won't mind me reading a paragraph of Julian Bell's article about Adrian Stokes on this. It seems to me to be really it was a beautiful paragraph, and it sort of addresses this point. Perhaps the main reason I find it hard to settle with this commandingly intelligent and self-aware writer is the status he gives to fantasy. From his Freudian viewpoint, fantasy is the individual's projection of desires and fears on the ground, the stone, if you like, of otherness. And this, as far as I can see, is the mode in which he would claim we are bound to relate to every kind of object. But as a principle, this is bad for both the critic and the artist. It allows too much to the former and surrenders too much that is necessary to the latter. If all the responses that an art object prompts in the critic are of the same nature, all being fantasy, then criticism effectively forsakes public dialogue to become a repository for private singularities. Conversely, for a working artist, the relation between the intent imagination and what it apprehends cannot be described as projection, the casting of fantasies on a fundamentally alien materiality, because anyone working at art knows that it is only out of such active apprehension that truth takes shape. What is trustworthy needs to be reached for within our imaginations, with our imagination, sorry, any lesser claim makes art into some kind of bad faith. Tonight, Julian Bell and Peter Campbell will be talking about the things that painters can and can't do. And at the end of their discussion, they will take some questions. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to start by reading for about five minutes because I'm very anxious that uh, not being used to this kind of thing, um, I would dry up entirely. Uh, so for five minutes you'll just hear me reading uh, first I must point out that the two books that have brought Julian and myself together are not to be equated mine is a collection of journalism he is an overview of world art the common ground writing about art can't disguise the fact that his book is coherent and scholarly and mine's a, a series of adventitious asides when I reviewed Mirror of the World, I learnt more than was comfortable about the flimsiness of my own knowledge and gained a great respect for the range and response he displays. 
All I can say is that we are both in the business of writing about things seen. Knowing we'd be talking together, I began to think about the limits of art writing. I first wrote about painting for an English class when I was at high school. My subject was a picture of God, Cain and Abel I had painted on my bedroom wall. The essay was a success, mainly because the class were astonished that I had been allowed to paint it in the first place. <laughs> All I can remember what I wrote is that there was a description of the pleasure to be had from squeezing paint out of a tube onto a china plate. Sixty years later, I still find the physical evidence of how pictures are made and guesses about the pleasures and difficulties that involved the starting point. How big were the brushes? How flexible was the pen? How tacky was the paint? What colours were available? Was it painted on a white ground or a coloured one? Was there a drawing? Was it hard to do? What would it be like to be able to do it? Was it like touch typing, something done without conscious effort? Or was it cerebral? Could I do something like it? The answers you get to these questions for making things yourself are limited, but you do get an idea of how it may, may have felt, literally felt, felt physically, as brush, pen, chisel, knife made a mark. There's pleasure to be had from making a tool what you want it to, to do what you want it to. If, if you've had that pleasure, or have struggled unsuccessfully with recalcitrant materials, you look at a picture in a different way. George Plimpton, who wrote about sports and all manner of other things, exposed himself to competition with prose. I can't drive. If I could, I might understand why car racing is popular on television. But I'm enough of a painter to know what making a painter feels like. Julian's experience as a painter is felt in the mirror of the world. The toehold the experience of making gives you does not take you very far. But histories, iconography, religion, costume and politics, the physiology and psychology perception, psychoanalysis, projective geometry, colour theory, optics, anthropology and economics, that all enrich accounts of why works of art are as they are, don't take you to the end of the road either. The inexact vocabulary of fluctuating value, it is beautiful, it is great, it is wonderful, it is vulgar, it is crude, only take you back to the starting point the phenomenon that one wants to understand, the appetite we have for images. It's a lively appetite. As far as images go, we're omnivorous, and one cannot expect to find a single overarching explanation of what makes an image valuable. Beauty is certainly not enough, and while slogans sometimes seem to point to underlying universal values, they lack stamina. I can remember a handful that seemed when I first heard them to explain what was good and why. Economy of line described the simplicity of Matisse drawings. Truth to materials, the purity of Brancusi sculpture, ineloquence, the presence of Piero della Francesca's frescoes. Yet even these were really just descriptions that picked on significant aspects of work I liked. And they didn't run far. What about Tiepolo's uneconomical etchings, Bernini's fluid marbles, Picasso's eloquent Guernica? What about comic books and cartoons? Appetite's not just the starting point. It is also too vigorously omnivorous to allow useful generalizations. What does seem to be the case, however, that at, is that at a given point in time, only some kinds of painting are done well. I once plaintively asked a distinguished historian and curator of 20th century painting, what was to become of all those skills of representation that had arisen during the development of Western painting, and then become as unrealizable as shares in a failed South American railway? She said that they were in the hands of amateurs. I can see what she meant. 
the question facing a painter wasn't what I, an amateur, asked, how do you do that, but the grander question, given the situation we are in, what kind of pictures can one make? Every exhibition one sets out to write about offers evidence of a set of limits. Things really do seem, at one time or another, to be impossible. The walls of French Provincial Museums show that in the late 19th century, history painting was becoming impossible. Delacroix and Géricault managed it, but not many after them. Around the same time, portraiture was transformed by technology. The question was not, how do I get a likeness, how do I project a personality, but what can a portrait be when photography has changed the paradigm of likeness? The answer to that question that I read in, for example, Frank Arbuck's work, is that you can take what is personal, the way painters handle, the handwriting as it were, and transfer much of the picture's content from the actual confirmation of flesh to the inherent power of strong marks and thick paint. Whereas in Franz Hauser's portraits, which also draw your eye to straight, brisk brushstrokes, the abstract liveliness of the painted surface is borrowed to give the face an exceptional vivacity, in Auerbach's portraits, the weight and abbreviation of the marks still relate to a face, but the idea of likeness has little meaning. One has a human presence, but not in the ordinary sense at least, a recognisable one. But then what about Lucian Freud, Ewan Euglo, Balthus, Alice Neal and so on? One only has to set up a notion that something is impossible, a closed path, to find painters who prove that there is, after all, a way out. So one thing I'd like us to talk about this evening is the, the barriers in the mind that seem to define what can't be made. I say seem because each sort of can't can be challenged. The fashion can't, you can't wear that. Hang it on your wall. The answer is, I just did it. The technical can't, no one has to draw, no one knows how to draw the way Angra did, is unanswerable because no one has to, knows how to draw like anyone else. The ignorant can't, painters can't paint a proper portrait anymore, is just not true, although it does leave open the question of why the portrait award at the National Portrait Gallery is so dispiriting. And someone may, of course, <coughs> come along and do a wonderful Death of Nelson that proves that anyone who says the history of painting can't be done is wrong after all. And that's where I would like to hand over to you. Well, <laughs> Peter, um, I, uh, what can't be done in painting at a given moment. That's, posing that question, you've thought of a very fine way of opening out from your own set of concerns, your own characteristic modus operandi in, the, in this collection of essays, to um, what ought to be my concerns as a would-be historian of art. Mm. Um, but I, before I respond to that, I, I'd just like to say, really for the benefit of people who haven't uh, yet looked at Peter's volume, something about the tang of it. Um, it gives me, pr Peter's prose gives me a pleasure, and I hope it might, you won't mind me putting it this way, rather like that of very, very well-conceived joinery. Oh, um, God. <laughs> I like that. It, it, it's, um, it's like a bureau in which all the drawers are snug and slide out perfectly. It's very well edited by people other than me, you understand. <laughs> <laughs> the mouldings are discreet and delicious, in which the handles are good to the hand. And it's very rare to read prose in which every part fits its purpose so beautifully. These three, four-page essays are just extraordinary, exemplary exercises in um, close attention, 
in imaginative generosity, in subtly moving an argument forward, but in not over, not jumping into blather and rhetoric. Um, and so one, everyone can learn and relish what, what you're doing in this book. I Thank think it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, but um, from these exercises in close attention, at the periphery, uh, which is looking very hard, uh, is the main centre ground of uh, your stuff here. But wondering rather anxiously, how did the what kind of history surrounds them is um, what you're talking about now. Um, let me actually try to get a clearer sense of what, what you're being anxious about, what you're wondering about, by coming back to one of your most boldest and most striking essays, which is about um, Titian. And um, in, uh, I'm going to read a bit of what uh, Peter says about Titian. Watching Titian's manner change, seeing him start within sight of the decorous processional solemnity of Giovanni Bellini and become the master of agitated crowds, seeing him stretch, transform, and in the end put aside his achieved and perfected skill in poetic, gesturally modest tonal painting in favour of rough sketchiness and blurred suggestion, making pictures which stand in a more godlike relation to the world, as though the end he worked to was to create his own world rather than to represent ours. All that is at once exhilarating and ominous. One can acknowledge Titian's stature and still remain open to regret for a propriety which was, in the end, lost to art entirely. It is unsettling to see someone gobble up 400 years of the future of painting in one lifetime. The high adventure of representation was over. The art of painting would flourish after Titian, but the science of painting would mark time. It's a very, very bold historical statement. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's rather stirring. Uh, but I, I, I'd like to know... What you, could you tell me a bit more about the nature of that high adventure of representation? What kind of enterprise is that? And could you tell me a bit more about this propriety, which was in the end lost to art entirely? Well, the propriety was what the the 19th century desperately tried to get back. They wanted they wanted um, uh, uh, in Germany with the uh, Nazarenes in with the Pre-Raphaelites in England. They were looking for a stillness, for a, um, a lack of agitation, um, a lack of flourish, which seemed true in some way. Yes, and that truth, I think, they wanted um, a new virginity. They want oh, very well yes. put, very well put, and it wasn't. And it's never available. Uh, I believe. <laughs> so that's that. That's what I meant there. That's what I was thinking about. Um, it is bold to say the science of painting had more or less finished, um, <laughs> but then one could quibble. one had one could quibble. But then one had one had one had tonal painting. One had perspective. One had learnt that you could you could you could suggest things without delineating them in detail. 
And that suggestion could be more powerful than a close delineation. I mean, if you look at Holbein's portraits, compare Holbein's portraits with Titian's yes. portraits. Yes. Titian's portrait, portraits are lively, alive. And, and uh, even Holbein's greatest drawings are still not quite the drawings, perhaps. The paintings certainly still look as though they were worked over without any sense of the individual being there. Whereas Titian, whether the individual mm. was there or not, you feel the presence of the individual. Um, so I would go back to you and say, okay, if the science of painting was not complete, what were you thinking of, which is the science of painting, which was still to come? Oh, uh, the, 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 that was uh, uh, not uh, my purpose. Um, I, I, I could talk about the very different um, approach to light that uh, emerges first in the 17th century, um, Yes. Uh, which gets perfected by Claude Lorraine. And, uh, but I, 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 rather than run through... No, no. But um, weren't, weren't the tools for that available, is what I'm saying? Hadn't, weren't the tools virtually forged by the time Titian had... You know, you look at... I think the, um, the tools, in the technical sense, but uh, de dealing, dealing with oils, uh, but I think that, um, in fact, lenses... I, 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 in a qualified way, I, I, I rather agree with you know, those speculations that Hockney had yeah, about yeah. lenses in a very qualified way. I think there's some truth in that. Mm. Uh, but I, I think um, the use of that kind of technology uh, changes the whole way that uh, a pain, uh, uh, painters, Claude, Poussin, and, uh, and so on, look at uh, light... Uh, Light and the structure of a whole painting, and it set, sets in motion a whole different notion of what an easel painting is. But this is uh, this uh, what I, I, uh, this is slightly technical <coughs> and much easier to, to, to describe if we all had images behind yes, us. Yes, yes. Um, what uh, what I uh, am taking you to say is that some giant comes in and squats in the middle of a cultural room and uh, occupies most of the space. And you, you know you can't walk. Uh, you can't pretend that elephant isn't there, and that <coughs> elephant is Titian. Uh, uh, well, it's uh, more it's, like no, so no, it, it, it's more like it's more like um, Euclid coming along mm. and saying, "Here is the basis of geometry," and other geometries did indeed follow. But Euclid's geometry was the basis of. So this is, this, is, this, but this is a kind of yeah. This is, so you behind your exercise in close attention, you've got a kind of Gombrichian scheme. I'm of, afraid I have. You have. Uh, yes. Of, yes. Uh, Confess. <laughs> the um, uh, uh, of a kind of yeah science of painting which uh, pr progresses cumulatively mm. and cooperatively as sciences mm. do, mm. and which. Um, perfects itself and which then um, is limited in its operation once it's been perfected. Uh, limited in its, in its extendability, I mean. Uh, well, yes, all sorts of things are done, but are, the things which are done are not the same things which I think Titian had done. Mm. You know, they were, as you say, extensions. They were, you know, Thomas Lawrence paints a portrait... <coughs> Very flashy. Lawrence, yes, very flashy, very flashy, very, 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 very recognisable, very nice in a well, way. Well, hang the future of painting on Certainly Lawrence wouldn't. in many histories. Well, so no, no, well, well, it's good. one's not, yep. I'm saying that, yep. that, that uh, okay. you know, 
So you'd say, well, is this an advance? Yeah. And the answer is, well, it's, 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 it, it, it's, it does some things which have not been done before, or at least exploits things which have not been exploited before. But I still don't, you know, it, it's, it's, it's still working within what I see as the same, the same field of Intercombrichian, no doubt. Um, well, yes. Um, I... Am I going to play devil's advocate or artist's oh, advocate? I mean, uh, 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 because uh, you yeah, see, I have not to believe this. Mm. Uh, 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 the you, you've raised two instances, and then uh, because your mind is scrupulous, thought of, a ca- of counterexamples and objections. Mm. You've raised what happens to history painting from the nineteenth mm. century, mm. Uh, from I don't know the time of Delacroix, yeah. Jericho onwards. Yeah. Uh, and you, you've raised um, the issue of what happens to portrait painting after photography, mm. uh, which is a kind of classic question to discuss. Now, I mean, um, I think uh, of something that quite struck me. Um, you, you talk about Orbach as uh, yeah. a, a preeminent post-photographic painter in that he's found a whole new way of using mm. paint to... Mm. Di- to denote uh, people mm. uh, it, which um, has got nothing to do with the camera really mm. and for me um, my own preoccupations as a painter have been much more to do with I'm a figurative painter uh, with um, Lucian Freud mm. and I remember a, a moment in um, Lawrence Gowing's book about Lucian Freud, uh, when he's writing about uh, the conundrum for critics in Britain during the 1950s, when they were seeing the advent of this very forceful artist and trying to account for it Mm. in the era of the heyday of high modernist painting Mm. and Mm. abstraction and so on. And he said no, uh, no critic could seriously believed that uh, the uh, status of Lucian Freud's achievement rested on the quality of of representation he offered. Mm -hmm. And yet, Lawrence Gowan goes on writing with 30 years hindsight, that is exactly what uh, Lucian Freud built his case on. He was was going to represent people with um, an uh, attentiveness, with, with an attachment to the singularity of that person mm. um, of a like that had never been in painting. It was, it was his kind of contention. He wanted the person, to, the, the painting to be the person. And, yeah. um, so um, he is... Uh, it, what I'm saying is, um, in, in such an example, in painting, perhaps you can reinvent the wheel. You know, you, you're saying no. that the Titian no. invented the big wheel and we've all just got to hover around it, the, well. the rim of it. Uh, but um, it, 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 I, in I, such I, a know, case, no. um, you, the painter has, has, uh, no. has got to believe that um, the um, that, that you can uh, start afresh with every mm. basic trick in the book. But Freud's a very interesting case. I remember going to the Marlborough Galleries when the first of Freud's exhibitions, in which he had stood up and got a big brush, made one think, "Is this Freud?" You know, can yeah. it be? And I'd loved the, you know, I very much admired the pictures in detail. I very much admired the slightly surreal zebra 
and okay. the zebras, zebras head and so on. Um, and looking at these, I thought, these are very like um, painterly pictures in the Saturday Evening Post. Um, and then Norman Rockwell. No, not no, Norman no, Rockwell. Okay, okay. No, 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 there, no, was, there okay. was a string of American right. painterly illustrators okay. who right. used used a big used used a big okay. brush and so on. Right. And uh, then you know I've seen Freud's exhibitions over the years. What's come to me is that um, what lifts them beyond. Um, uh, the general run of portraiture is has been a relationship with human beings. I mean, the nude portrait, for example, is not a common genre. It wasn't a common genre. Yeah. And the nude portrait is very important to him. Yes. Um, that um, the room, it's as though it, it is the drama of making a picture, yes. the drama of having someone take their clothes off, the drama of it being the same small room again and again, the drama of it being done by artificial light. <coughs> All these things make a show of it, and yet it's not the actual manner of the painting um, is, is, is fine, but wouldn't stand up on its own. So, I mean, I, I like the picture of the, of the um, so you're sink, saying sink with flowers in it, but the sink with the, sink with the flowers in it, if you say it, if, if you, if Chardin does a still life, you say, ah, you know, this is, I don't want anything more. When Lucian Freud does his still life, you think, no, still life's not your thing. You do need a human presence in order to. <laughs> um, there, uh, so you're saying that really, in a, I mean, to put it pejoratively, there's a bit of a charade of representation going on. There. No, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, I wouldn't uh, say it's, charade. No, I'd say it, it's it's a bit of a uh, of, of a performance of a, uh, a, 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 a drama. Well, it's uh, a drama, but uh, not a. And, and that's, that's not pejorative at all. Well, he doesn't. Not often gets away with it. I mean, it shows that it can be done. And indeed, okay. if you take if you take you and Uglo, for example, hmm. where you have these very and there, what seems to me happens is that he says, "Look, I'm not going to paint. I'm going to just record very exactly where these points appear on the canvas, and then I'm going to fill in between them, and I'm going to do it layer by layer and area by area." And so you don't have to worry about me trying to represent, represent something because I'm going to make an object which is separate from the swishy business of painting and in the cerebral business of mapping out the visual world as you see it. I mean, Alice Neal, you say, oh, um, I'm going to record strange people in strange ways and I'm going to do it quite, quite crudely and boldly and there somehow it carries off, but again it carries off in terms of human drama, it seems to me, or indeed the suggestion of a drama, or one's attempt to sort through to what the, who the person might be, what the relationship was, and so on. Well, I think, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can't argue with any of those analyses, uh, uh, and um, I, I, I'm sure that's, that's true, but it's, um, I, I, I have to look at it myself uh, as a business of the painter's own belief system, mm. which um, Nicholas Spice was, was kind of talking about in the yeah. quote. He, mm. uh, uh, you know, if you're painting in good faith, um, uh, you, you have a sense that you're having to um, invent the act of representation anew, if you're a figurative painter. Uh, um, and, um, now, what do you mean quite by that? Well, um, that the... the um, 
the, 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 you're in a process that could fail and mm. could could touch uh, you know, an, an arrow could miss its t its target somehow. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 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 talking from inside the experience, Absolutely. and yeah. mm. um, I, I'm probably concerned to uh, uh, to create a, a zone in which I can have that experience. No. And that's, a, that's the kind of way I try to do history. Do you do, do, you do any, pa you, you do painting, don't you, which is not necessarily from what's in front of you, but which is out of your head? Uh, no, I, 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 I it's not, my own painting, I'm, uh, if, if anyone wants to come and see my painting, I've, I've, I've got a show, <laughs> in, plug, 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 in, yes, in a month's time, starting at the Francis Carl Gallery, 21st of April, um, my first show in London for many years. Anyway, mm. uh, so you can check these statements, mm. assertions. Uh, but um, they start with, uh, uh, with ideas, and then there has to be the touch of uh, looking uh, uh, at uh, people and making... Uh, uh, using a palette, using brushes in front of people. That's, uh, yeah. s somehow that's part of the whole So you are, you, are, you are painting from life, is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, the, to yeah. that extent. Yeah. Uh, do, you ever do, do you ever not paint from life? I, I ask because I do both, you see. I mean, yeah. I have to, I'm an illustrator. I'm no. not really a painter. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an amateur. I do insist. But um, I'm involved both in doing drawings out of my head and also, some, I mean, quite often um, I'll sit in the field and do a, try and paint like well, a sergeant, I suppose. Let's <laughs> <laughs> and it's not easy. Um, but they're quite no. different experiences. Uh, if one thing, you don't know what you've done. When you're painting, well, at least when I find, when you're painting from something in front of you, it'll be, it'll be a week before you have got what you were painting out of your head and see what you have painted. Yes. And it's as though it has to mature. It's like one of those, one of those, one of those stews, which is best the third day. Um, <laughs> Well, that's... Uh, have you had that experience? Yes, I, of course I have, yes. Uh, uh, and, um, uh, in fact, my characteristic daily experience is to put, put the canvas face to the wall at the, uh, the end of the day and then the next morning when I walk into the studio to make as much of a kerfuffle and a delay <laughs> uh, uh, until the ghastly moment comes when I have to turn the canvas round yeah. and see what I actually perpetrated. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, this is... <laughs> well, these things are uh, not an interesting yes, so, uh, thing, uh, because uh, I think this is quite... I mean, if you look at... The fool one was yesterday. It's yeah. completely different from the, uh, yeah. the wise and earnest yeah. pair of eyes that one possesses That's right. right now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you and I are talking about a process which is... It's not rare, because lots of it's going on, but it seems to be outside the mainstream of what people now find interesting, the mainstream of what is exhibited, the main, well, exhibited, well, exhibited in superior places, <laughs> to put it. Well, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about painting, and uh, I, uh, for, for myself, I, I've, I've got a great faith that uh, you know, paint, uh, painting will continue. When I wrote a book about the sub what is painting ten years ago, it was in a cultural situation where there'd been a whole load of predictions of the death of painting yeah, and yeah. Um, a general opprobrium cast mm. on the whole medium uh, for, for reasons I, I momentarily forget. But, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it seems yeah. to survive. There's a, there's a large amount of walls that need to be filled and, uh, you know, ah. it, it's, uh, it's a very useful way of filling them, I think. Yeah, it's a, yeah it's a, mm, there was a, an American 
who sociologist who did a book where you actually went round and saw what was on people's walls in uh, mainly in New York. And um, the analysis which came out, it was interesting. Uh, landscapes, yes, a lot of abstract painting, a lot of African art. Yeah. Uh, a few portraits, portraits were mainly photographs along the wall. Yeah. One portrait which was father, mother, I think, no, just a couple, I think, but divided down the middle, so when they divorced, they could... <laughs> and they did. <laughs> Little uh, perforation lines. That's right. That's, that's a right, good exactly, idea for the family exactly, portraits. Exactly. Yes. But what came out of it was that what people wanted on their walls was... Um, it could fade into the background, whereas uh, it could be just something which, um, which, was, de- which was a bit depressing. <laughs> you know, but then people say, wouldn't want a bacon on your wall, would you? And the answer is... Well, yes, but the world, the world is full of public spaces, foyers and, and boardrooms and places where you, you need to look imposing yes, yes, and yes. Uh, swinge your taste into people's eyes. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I, read, I read somewhere once, I think it was about Hodgkin. All about these are rather mundane ways of, of yes, arguing right. for the but survival of painting. But, well, uh, no, no, but, well, but well, Germaine. Yes, I mean, Sickert <laughs> has a very good piece about uh, when he was refusing to give money to the... Uh, one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, the uh, art fund, the, we'll all put a little bit of money in and then we'll buy pictures for national galleries. Mm. And Sickert said, no, no, I won't put the money in there. What a young man should do is get on the train going north and find a manufacturer of some sort who will be interested in what he says and become his patron and start buying pictures. And uh, I don't think, well, the world may have worked that way in 1910. I've got no idea. Uh, it was sheer mischief. Sheer mischief on his part. He was. Sick, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Most mischievous. Um, on the other hand, he did sell... Funniest art writer ever. Uh, you know, his pictures were of a sort which people hung, hung on their walls. Yes. Um, but I'm not sure people want pictures. Well, sick it I'd want, yes. But do well, people want... find out in a month's time. Ah, uh, uh, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I don't mean to depress you. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But, um, no, I... I, I, I the, the, I mean... My, my own uh, double act is at once to paint these pictures and to... Um, I'm a bit too curious, and I suppose that's what, what ends up with rather large books like this, mm. um, so that the curiosity spills out from rather panoramic paintings into very panoramic surveys of history. But um, to me, you see... the. the, the the, the art of writing a history like this is to suggest that certainly the conditions under which um, painting 
and the arts in general um, operate, change, and uh, it is true circumstantially that you can't do what you could do before the, f the camera was invented mm. in the same way, yeah. really. But at the same time, to write as if one is inhabiting each uh, moment of someone working in a studio trying to make something to look at, mm. which is what I'm yeah. attending to, uh, as if that were a fresh and originary moment in yeah. which um, uh, that all is possible. And um, it's... Is it, yeah. You know, if it, um, I, I, I teach students at, at Camberwell, and uh, um, if I uh, if they were to come up to me and say, "Well, I've got this great new idea. I think I'm going to paint the flux of light before my eyes, standing <laughs> in the field somewhere," yeah. uh, uh, or you know, "I've got this great idea. I'm going to paint a 15-foot canvas uh, embodying the human condition." Yeah. Oh, in a completely abstract fashion or yeah. I've got this great new idea I'm going to do art about female perceptions of the body I, you yeah. know, I, would, I, wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't come to them and say you can't do that <laughs> that's <laughs> impressionism that's abstract expressionism that's yeah. feminist yeah. art yeah. of the 1980s get yeah. lost, get yeah. up to speed I, uh, I, 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 I would say to them yeah, yeah you should try and do that um, this is probably why I'm a very dangerous person to have in an art school, a very dodgy person to have in an art school, because you certainly won't do the thing you intended to do, and the constraints will be different. But um, if, if you're a, someone who, who makes things in any interesting way at all, something interesting will result out of the... I, I would try and warn them that the historical situation was somewhat absurd, <laughs> the, you know, to reinvent Impressionism or... Or 1980s feminism, or whatever it might be. Well, you know, there are those people who take photographs of photographs and then exhibit those as the, as, as new works of art. Which yes, yes, it's an extreme well, actually, extreme I might, case. I might try and stop them doing that. Uh -huh. There are limits. There are limits to my One Catholic. Thing, uh, in your uh, yeah. in in the world, you talk about you talk about um, an image jam. I'm sure you're absolutely right. There is an image jam. You've forgotten you said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. lots and lots of images around. And, and uh, you think it's reached a point where um, a coherent school of painting is impossible. I mean, there have been times when there have been, or schools, but now, um, well, I think it's you writing about the, the YBAs, you say, but it's not a school, really, because somebody's well, going to be no, doing this and someone's doing that, and it may be yeah. a painting, it may be conceptual. It was it a very convenient label all round for, right. uh, for a period in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, but, you know, do you think, do you think, but do you think this is a sign that a, sign that a school, you know, the Camden Town School or the Euston Road School or those groups of people who seem to feel they've got a common purpose... Do you well, have any group like that now? Well, you know, we, uh, the, 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 the ten years ago, uh, we had the Stuckists, uh, which was uh, a, a little... Uh, yeah. um, I don't... Yes. Sc little schoolette. Yes, yeah. There was a school... school. Of, there was, um, was Kittai's School of London, of course. Yeah, that was, that was another... But they, they are mm. confected affairs. Uh, yeah. uh, and um, but they're, they're a bit preposterous. Uh, but, but the old... Um, they've been, but, but then, you know... How many schools have stayed together for very long? The, the, there were 
you know, maybe five years in which important, it was important yeah. to be Cubist, yeah. or maybe likewise, really, in the Impressionists, uh, ten years perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah quite a brief um, period. Mm. So, but even kind but of for those houses. for those ten years, there was the you know we're roped up climbing the climbing the face together moment. Yeah. Well, that was that two of them. That was just Picasso. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I mean, impressionism had something Small of the same, it. something of the same, the yeah. same quality of yeah. people, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, as I say, it's just the sheer, the sheer abundance of imagery, the way images come to you, okay. the way the the way you're surrounded all the time. What are you saying? These are effacing the possibility. This, this well, rain yeah. of images. Well, uh, it, it is. Yeah. Um, Eroding the possibilities yeah. of, of, of clearly formulating a manifesto policy in the arts. Well, it's just, well, no, no. It's 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 as though you can feel you can feel envious of people who in London went off during the Second World War to the National Gallery to see one picture, mm. and you felt you know to, to, uh, there was no color, color printing wasn't around, television wasn't around. You felt that that that, but, that but this sort of concentration made the response more intense. No, uh, no. I think I, I, I think the fact is, um, uh, despite yes, the image jam, the image rain, whatever, uh, uh, the, the fact that e that everything can be seen everywhere, the, you know, the, 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 the click of a, on a screen. Do it all the um, time. Yes. Uh, th there is that very basic uh, urge to, to make some pilgrimage to the Tate, uh, to to wh whatever the public place is, and go and see. The Athelis, or mm. whatever it be, mm. but, you know, every, everyone does. Uh, um, the um, the actual breadth of attention is no wider than it was at any. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, when everyone was talking about uh, John Everett Millet in mm. 1850, then uh, 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 there's an equally narrow concentration of the media on Chris Athelie, uh this month or last month or whatever. You know. Yes, I mean, I so, was reading... We still have uh, quite, a, in that sense, quite a focused art culture. Whether, whether we get focused criticism of Chris uh, oh, well. uh I don't know. But, well, well, what do you think? Um, well, I've tried to write about him today. Oh. Yes. <laughs> it's been uh, more or less dragged Sneak in. preview? Uh, uh, no, well, I mean, uh, well, as my feelings are mixed... <laughs> it's, it's, I'd have to try and uh, spell it all out, but um, well, it's um, oh, one feels one's one, one's limitations in the sense that I can't feel that the that, that uh, the most the most obviously coat trailing bits are not coat trailing, and yet I can also believe, that as far as he's concerned, they're um, a way of escaping from. All sorts of dead ends, which art seemed to be offering. You know, it's a way of getting getting a foothold, getting a getting a getting a personality, getting a getting a group of work which makes sense to him. Well, um, I, I, I wish I. Uh, you don't agree. I, well, I, 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 I just feel it's one of those shows. Um, a bit like uh, Kit Eyes um, 15 years oh, ago, yeah. where someone has uh, 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 had this desperate feeling, I'm only as good as my last painting, I must rush in a whole load of new paintings. And so he's done these terribly bad paintings in oils in the last room and spoiled the whole thing. Otherwise, it's fantastic. I like the blue paintings, which are... 
I think in oil. I can't remember. Oil or maybe maybe acrylic. I think a mixture, but yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it's it's slightly marred by a, a desperation I can feel. I should probably rush some pictures into yeah. my into my show in a month's time yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. To, to try and prove that one is still yeah, alive yeah, uh, and yeah, authentic. Yeah. Well, but, I like uh, the feeling that he was moving. He, that he had. Uh, Anyway, but he is a, he's a formidable force. I'm not sure about this school of Trinidad, him and, him and Doig. Doig, no. Too well. much ganja in Trinidad, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, should we, should, should, should we ask, ask them what they think? I'm, I'm going to um, exert the privilege of having the microphone to ask you a question. <coughs> um, Julian, I mean, I'm not really convinced by what you say, I have to say. I think what Pete said about Titian has more force to me as a viewer uh, than you give him credit for. And I'd like to ask you the question in a slightly different form in relation to sculpture. I mean, as a member of the public looking at Bernini's early sculptures for the first time, one is struck by the thought that on the day that, for example, Daphne was unveiled, the other sculptors in Rome must have had a t terrible moment of sinking heart as they came to look at this thing, they must have thought, fuck, basically, that's yeah. it. And in point of fact, and in my experience, apart from possibly Canova and the odd neoclassic sculpture 120 years later or whatever, until you get to Rodin, who is looking at figurative sculpture after Bernini? That's absolutely true. Uh, but scul sculpture is... Um it's got very different dynamics as a tradition, I think. And uh, um, at any rate, it, it, has, a, it has a different um, skyline uh, uh, with you know, four or five very hi uh, high peaks between Donatello, Michelangelo, Bernini, and then the unbearable Canova. I, 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 I'm a terrible artist, in my opinion, uh, but uh, very persuasive to... All the people of his time, and um, yes, as you say, Rodin. Um, I um, was really trying to um, specify, uh, get a clearer picture of what Peter was arguing, uh, rather than um, saying that that he was in error about Titian. I, I uh, and uh, I was just um, arguing um, for the need to uh, invest each uh, uh, your, uh, my investigation of, uh, uh, of any artistic moment with a freshness, uh, uh, the possibility that one could reinvent the wheel at any moment. Uh, uh, it, it is not impossible. There was the, 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 I, I don't think we need so, some kind of uh, determinate historical laws that say it was impossible uh, to, uh, to do anything uh, uh, after Titian. And I don't really believe in a Gombrichian history of uh, the, the triumph of realistic representation. Um, that's partly because a lot of my book deals with non-Western traditions, and I, I, I just don't see that's the way... Uh, Things happen, so um, I I completely defer to the uh, to the force of, uh, of Peter's terrific essay about Titian. I mean, it's, it's full of wonderful things he says about the, uh, 
about the portraits, the nudes, and so on in Titian. Uh, so I, I, it's one of the many reasons to read his book. But uh, um, uh, at the same time, um, there's, a, the, there's a style in history that I, uh, that I, I want to resist in my own way of doing things there. Very good. Now, who would like to ask a question? Talking about um, Titian and uh, Frank Alba, uh, I was interested in what she said about sculpture because it's not, it was not in the same context. Because um, it seemed to me that Titian's paintings started to talk about materials rather than representation. And there seems to be a coming together or rather a willingness to blur the difference between sculpture and painting. And you mentioned Alba, mm -hmm. and he felt the person was there. And it seems to be that tradition was carried on in that way. In a, with, with many, many years in between. And it's a, like a sort of separate tradition of painting, I would say. That's what I've been... You mean a separate tradition of painting where the materials are, yeah. are what matter? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the you know if you look at the if you look at um, the flag of Marcius, which is rough paint and finger marks. Uh, yes, you could say it's it's the surface is the surface is very dominant. Um, uh, but that's part of what <laughs> what I was saying that within Titian's within Titian's works, you've got this whole this amazing range from from uh, neat and precise to to broad. Although it, when it comes, yeah, well, I think often the, the same painting, often the same painting. Yeah. And as far as the portraits go, I'm trying to think. There's the some of there's the well, there's the Aretino yeah. portrait, but then. Aretino then com complains that it wasn't well enough finished on the clothes, or his, I think his gold chain wasn't properly shown, or something like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think that yes, there is, there is. Although I'm not quite sure what happened to that tradition after Titian. I just don't know enough. I mean, the tra tradition of broad, a tradition of broad painting. Um, uh, it, it goes into this. The whole question well, of late late styles, which is which is another. It feeds into Rembrandt. Uh, well, I was going to say that's yeah, the obvious and thing. Velasquez, yeah. uh, yeah. Velasquez too, you would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, they're both looking very hard at Titian. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. But the idea, the idea, the idea of 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 a tradition of broad, you know, this is the material kind of painting. Now, I don't fit Velasquez into that, into that line. No, uh, I. I I'd slightly differ with, from you for, in, in saying that from Titian there's this uh, interest in paint as paint. I think paint as paint is a kind of 20th century idea because what is paint? Pa paint, paint, uh, <laughs> you know, paint has to be a pleasure, has to be a, uh, a sensual, a phenomenological experience. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's not as if um, we are worshipping the sheer materiality of the, of, of the stuff per se. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't quite... Uh, I, I think I'd be to put a bit of a modernist 20th century overlay on, on what Titian's doing. I, th really? I don't think mm. he, I, I think he's looking. He's finding an, another way of looking at things. Mm. But 
and, and of using paint, but it's using paint. There is a question of handwriting, you know, the, you know, the, the painter's handwriting, as it were, which gets more obvious. Well, I mentioned Hals, but there's Tiepolo is um, particularly, you know, Tiepolo's drawings, which look more as though they're written than drawn in a funny way. Yeah. Um, so you can... And Rembrandt's drawings, too, you know, the, the idea that you have an, an approximate, uh, you know, a blurred and open view of a go at representation has got a long history in drawing. Whether it has a painting, I don't know. It's quite interesting that Rembrandt's drawings were appreciated at his, in his time. It's not as though it was a secret that, yeah. that he kept, kept to himself. I mean, they were... No, they were saleable items. Very much Collected, so, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So... I can see it carrying through in drawing. I'm not sure I can see it carrying through in painting. I just don't know the example. You know more than I do. Well, it's true. I mean, likewise, you know, with um, Michelangelo's late work with its, uh, you know, broken facture and yeah. uh, its non finito uh, was widely, was held in awe because yeah. it was the divine Michelangelo, but no one attempted to produce stuff like that. Uh, uh, you know, it was the, st- uh, the record of an extreme situation of, of a great artist, and uh, with me- uh, it wasn't the next stage uh, in, in art. Um, and I think that's probably true of Titian's late work too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, this is slightly going over the same te- territory on sticking with, with, with Titian, but I was just wondering whether Here it was also mean. to do with um, um, a feeling that time was getting on and there was a need to hurry or eyesight had anything to do with loosening the, the brush and the, the paint as well. I'm all for circumstantial reasons. Uh, uh, time was probably getting on as it does uh, but uh, um, uh, and um, this may be as good a reason why uh, uh, Titian was was rushing at the canvases in the particular way he was in his 70s and 80s but it's not just I mean it's it's quite interesting if you go to the Tate and you look at Millet's Christ of the Carpenter's Shop and then look at Hearts of Trumps you think Ah, he got a bit bored with all those, you mm. know, putting putting the wet white paint down and working over it in the in, in the proper pre like manner, and things just you know, big brushes easier, you know, unless you get totally. Some people didn't. Some, I mean, Holman yes. Hunt kept to it, but but Millet didn't. No, there's a there's a yeah. picture he did with, all with a four inch brush called the St Agnes. You know, it's a gorgeous painting. It's the yeah. sexiest painting he ever did. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, it's it's painted as broadly as any yeah. dictation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Millet, strange guy. Strange guy, Millet, yes. We could start talking about him. We'd better not. So I think, yeah. Thank you. Um, Coming back to Titian again. Uh, isn't the argument? Isn't the argument that uh, the, the sort of Gombrichian argument that Titian represents some high point uh, in the representational tradition? Uh, can we not analogise that by saying that Shakespeare perhaps is a high point in the literary tradition, and therefore, because he did everything so absolutely brilliantly, it's hardly worth carrying on? I mean, I see a danger in the the sort of art history which seems to be implied by Peter. 
Um, in, in, and I'm trying to highlight it by comparing it to the Shakespeare example. The idea that painting must advance. Uh, I mean, it's not clear even that things like science and medicine advance in a linear direction, let alone an activity, a much more phenomenological and emotionally based activity of painting, which yeah, is deeply I mean, culturally embedded. So just, you know, yeah. that's my point. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, think, I think that the, the, the Shakespeare argument applies much more to Michelangelo, who really did, who made it impossible for yeah. to do things afterwards. And I think Shakespeare, you know, if, if you look at... Jacobean tragedy, it's, it's under the shadow of Shakespeare. I don't think Titian cast a shadow in that way. And I don't think it's... I don't, it, it's it, it was... My point really was to do with a whole series of things he knew how to do, which other people didn't know how to do, and then were able to do. It's much more, much more an enabling thing than an overshadowing thing. At least how I, that's how I feel it. But you know more history than I do, so maybe <laughs> I'm totally wrong. Um, it is an enabling thing. It doesn't... Uh, the, the, I mean... Um, I'm just trying to compare them. I, the, the, the analogy had come to me, and I, I, I support what you're basically saying. But uh, uh, I mean, the sympathy is with that. I, I, I think um, you see with Shakespeare a, a vast amount of, of fascinating drama happening in his ambit. You know, where Webster and uh, so on, um, Turner, all, all those guys. Um, in Titian's case, yeah, you get Tintoretto and Veronese uh, kind of in his wake, and then. Um, yeah, uh, they, 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 uh, they are enablers. Uh, it's probably true. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they. Let's let's look at it in an upbeat fashion. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, interested in what was touched on early in the in the discussion, and that's the limitations of uh, painting today. And you, both of you, have suggested that. The, the strength of an idea behind painting is very important, in spite of uh, Julian Bell's uh, characterization of the student at Camberwell, and also the, the limitation of photography. And I, you haven't really pursued the, uh, how far photography has affected painting today, and I wonder whether you'd take that up. <coughs> possibly take up the two together in the notion of idea and photography as being a double force onto the activity of the artist. Well, I, 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 that, I don't know if I can take up both <laughs> reins because you... Uh, I, I would have to second guess uh, uh, your own overarching notion which, uh, <laughs> which I'd like to hear. <laughs> Freud. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that that tradition is threatened by the 20th century preeminence of yeah. idea and the 20th century march of photography. That march, um, again, I, I, I've got some sympathy with, um, uh, uh, with Hockney's hypotheses, which were rather vaguely stated in that book that came out, I don't know, five, seven years ago, Secret Knowledge, which was that there had been an era when uh, the, the photography was uh, the witness to reality, and that in the age of digital photography, 
this no this kind of faith in photography no longer applied, and the situation actually liberated the pa- uh, the, the painter. Mm. Now, I do think photo painting has actually been flogged to death. If the fo- if the Camberwell student comes to me and mm. says I want to do photo painting, I please don't. Uh, mm. um, and, um, you know, Toymans is one of the great artists of the day, but I, 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 it seems to me a bit of a dead end after, after Toymans. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and um, at the same time, I, the, yeah, I, 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 I try to... All I can say is I try to skirt around the thing uh, as much as I can. I, I, I lean on photographs often in an intermediate stage of my work, but... Um, I, I have to have this kind of act of going out and touching something, as it were, with a, uh, 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 with a brush. Um, and um, this... But photography is the vernacular of our time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, OK. So that immediately forces the painter into a, a kind of uh, reactive minority <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't underestimate photography's own problems. I mean, one interesting thing that you have written yeah. about photography for a long time is that um, all sorts of genre in photography got exhausted very, very quickly. I mean, if you go out on the street now and try and take a picture of that Cartier-Bresson, well, first of all, you can't get the film. Secondly, get arrested. they'll arrest you. And thirdly, when you've done it, something you'll say, but that's been done a hundred times. You know, it's as though a whole genre have gone like that. And so you'll find people reinventing collar type trying to find new ways of lifting photography. And I think the, the photographers have got a much more difficult task than the painters, because in the end, the limits are an image projected by a lens onto a surface, whereas painters can be, you know, able to, you can do what they like in a different way. And of do you, do, do, are you saying you'd like painting to be the vernacular of representation? Yeah. Well, it has a, but that's, a, that's an opportunity equally, isn't it? That, uh, that it becomes a more reflective and um, exalted uh, way of looking. Uh, On the other hand, if you think... People give a different quality of attention, perhaps, to a painting. You think of the time of the past when you would have liked to... Let's say you, were, you, know, you think about, shall we go back to the past? And they say, oh, well, make sure you've got plenty of money and you know, make sure that your teeth are good and so on. But as far as painting goes, you say, well, I'm going back to the past. I'm not going to be a very good painter. I just like painting. And the answer is, well, if you go, you know, 18th century, you'll find a big market for boring portraits of people. <laughs> and if you like just painting, well, it'd be really good fun to do it. You wouldn't make much money, but uh, it'd be a living, you know, miniature painting, even, you know, views of country houses, teaching girls to draw. I mean, all perfectly acceptable crafts, which are not really available anymore. Um, and that one has to live with. A hand somewhere there, yeah. I think we'll have perhaps two more questions. Is that too limiting? Two more questions. Hi. I wonder whether you have um, any views on the preparation that students now receive, the uh, fine arts preparation they receive before they come to you, in fact, uh, at college level, at art college level. 
and particularly the preparation they're getting even at uh, GCSE and, uh, and A level. Um, what uh, I'm interested in is really what impact you think that the relatively um, little uh, amount of time that gets spent in the courses on technique at that age uh, has. I mean, uh, it has uh, pluses and minuses. Uh, but you know, you see them by the time they get to uh, to college, and I'm aware that different countries take a very different view of the role of uh, technique being taught uh, earlier on. So I, I wonder if you had any views on what that means for the formation of the next generation of artists. Get to you. Well, I I I, I think that. Um, being confident with a pencil is like uh, learning to, to ride a bike. And I think everyone, uh, everyone who comes to art college should have had as much time being encouraged to be confident with a pencil, to draw, in other words, in one, whatever that means, uh, as possible. Uh, there's no substitute for, uh, for a bit of ma uh, you know, manual experience uh, of that sort. Um, that, and... Um, I wouldn't like to comment in general on the, uh, on the quality of pre-college pre education, uh, but um, you know, the, the, the experiences one has of students are so variable. But uh, um, I, um, a lot of my time is, is spent with people who've had a very, very, uh, because I'm, I'm a kind of words waller uh, uh, and uh, have to deal with people who think they're visual or instinctual or whatever, so they come to art college and they've got to, they then find that tiresomely they've got to turn out 5,000 word essays. Uh, and um, there, many of them are very ill prepared for that by the current education system, that's, that's for sure. But yeah, drawing is, is just, a, a, I, I would say, um, should be part of everyone's curriculum. If I were education minister. Um, uh, can I just preface my question by making the observation? I've always thought for some years that Peter Campbell has had the best job in London. Um, <laughs> and uh, don't retire for a long time, please. Um, I wanted to just try and bring the story a bit up to date, and I guess it's aimed at you, uh, but for, for both of you. Um, I'm not sure if I detect tonight a slightly jaded palette about the art of our time now, and I wanted to sort of invite you to say a bit more about that. Um, I can't quite put it into a question, for, but for want of a, a better example, if you go and see the current Turner Prize show, do you go with a spring in your step, or do you go with a, a sort of sigh? Well, all too often I don't go. This is an awful confession. <laughs> uh, but, um, and part of it, I think, is just a lack of, a lack of, a lack of, I'm an old man, lack of energy. I mean, not energy to actually get up and walk a bit, energy and saying, okay, can I rethink the basis of what I believe? I went to the uh, Ophelia exhibition, how, how, how I pronounce it, 
I didn't go along to mock exactly, but I went along with, with a predisposition to be indifferent. And in fact, I enjoyed myself. Um, and uh, so I spent an awful lot around which if I only concentrated it on, I would like better than I do, put it that way. Uh, but I, I mean, that was a case where what I knew from reading the odd piece, seeing the odd reproduction, uh, not having been conscientious in going to the Turner Prize show, um, I was all prepared for. So yeah, I'm a bit jaded about it, but that's put it down to my laziness rather than to the world out there, because I don't know about it. I don't know enough about it. One should always be, Jay. I mean, in the sense that I think anyone who had a lot to art to see because they had a bit of a job as an art critic would always be a bit jaded about the situation <laughs> at any given moment, um, probably. But um, I don't see there's any reason to be any more jaded in 2010 than in 1970 or 1920 or 1860 or whatever, um, because um, I make, keep making these naive statements of uh, uh, you know, optimism, but I, 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 I do think that uh, the surprising uh, things that people make are, are kind of inexhaustible. I, 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 at any rate, they don't, they don't exhaust me. I, I'm, I'm ready to be surprised. I haven't been terribly surprised uh, by the recent Turner, Turner Prize show. I thought I was going, going to like Richard Wright, and it seemed to be a non-event for me. But um, I, 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 the, I did like the Runa Islam video a couple of years back. I thought that was a, that was a really tough piece, uh, interesting but um, that, that, that's my last Turner experience. It's like, you, you can just see a lot of politics behind the... the yeah, a, a lot of people uh, frightened of uh, making the, 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 the right kind of gesture in, in, in the company of their peers in, in the Turner Prize uh, machinations, I think. So I don't take them very seriously, but you know, they can, can come up with something good. Thank you for joining us for this London Review Bookshop event. For more, visit our website at www.londonreviewbookshop.co.uk or search for the London Review Bookshop on iTunes. <laughs>